Are you dreaming of the ultimate U.S. coastal scenic drive? This episode of TripCast 360 is sponsored by David's Cruise Vacation, a travel agency that specializes in both land and sea adventures for the intrepid traveler. Book now at davidscruisevacations.com and experience that hands-on personal service. Hello and welcome to TripCast 360. We are the podcast of Live with Maritime about travel, lifestyle, and entertainment. This is Michael Gordon Bennett coming to you from a very windy Las Vegas, Nevada, where I think we have wind gusts hovering around 40 miles an hour outside. So if you hear a whistling sound outside my window, that's it. And I am joined, as always, by the Barbados Flash via the Big Apple, Dave Cumberbatch, who I'm assuming has weather better than mine. Yes, I understand you had a haboob. A haboob last week or before last, something like that. Yeah, for those of you who don't know what a haboob is, it's a Middle Eastern term of a, a big, nice, fat dust storm that literally lasts about 10 minutes. Um, but it, it, during the dust storm, you can't see anything. And if you're in a car, when it hits, all you hear is the sand and dirt blowing up off the desert floor, pitting your paint job. And next thing you know, you go out and look at your car, it's, um, needs a, it, it needs new paint. So, um, But it was quick. I mean, we're... Las Vegas is in a weird place because we're kind of like between that gradient, that high pressure gradient coming from Southern California and some of the uh, lower pressures that come down from Alaska at this time of year. So spring uh, and fall are really high wind places here in Vegas. So you kind of get used to it after a while. Something in the news today, uh, CNN is reporting that Yellowstone has set a record for visitors in September and they expect that uh, November, that October will be the same. I didn't amazing. know that. That is amazing. I guess that's mm-hmm. the way of people staying away from COVID is staying outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. And I would I would have never thought that, especially Yellowstone at this time of year, that weather's starting to turn. It's about to get really cold up there. And I, you know, you can keep that. I, you know, I, I spent uh four years of my life in northern Maine up near the Canadian border, and, and that was brutal enough. And actually our guests and I are gonna have a little fun talking about some of the coastal drives in the southern part of the state, but northern Maine. If you've ever been to Caribou, Maine, look it up on a map. It's tucked away in Maine's <laughs> northeast corner, about maybe two miles from the Canadian border. It is so far north, Interstate 95 ends about 100 miles south. <laughs> it is brutal. It, it, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's snowing in Maine right now because it normally started in September. Wow. One year, it actually started in late August when I lived there for the four years we were there. And, you know, with my birthday in January, 30 below zero was common. That's crazy. Love, love missing school, though. Um, <laughs> and I was a straight A student. <laughs> anyway, um, as I've kind of alluded to, we've got a guest waiting in the wings. But before I do all that, let me dispense with the uh, traditional housekeeping notes. Uh, the Stripcast 360 podcast is available any place you get your podcast. Amazon, iTunes, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're there. But the best place to listen to it, of course, is on our website at tripcast360.com. And uh, like, subscribe, share, follow, call your friends, get your neighbors on board. We love bringing you great stories like the one we're going to bring you today with our fantastic guests. Uh, Dave, well, I think we got some social media to tell them about. Don't forget our social media now. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on LinkedIn. Just follow us, like us, tag us. We love it and our audience loves it as well. All right. Now let's jump into today's show because this is something that's near and dear to my heart. Um, For those of you who listen to this podcast, you guys all know I'm a military brat and I'm also a vet. So I've had the opportunity to travel uh, throughout the United States extensively. And I actually have a guest on who's actually been to more states than me. I think he's been to all 50, uh, whereas I've got 46 under my belt. But uh, it's what he does with his trips that uh, caught our attention. 
His name is Charles McCool. He's the owner of McCool Travel. It's a platform that uh, shows travelers how to increase travel happiness and reduce stress on every trip. His website, McCoolTravel.com, offers insider tips and hidden destination information that is truly remarkable in their insight and depth. Today, we have Charles here to discuss that topic that is near and dear to my heart, and that's U.S. Coastal Scenic Drives. There's a great story, which we will link to in the description of our show, that talks about uh, coastal scenic drives uh, throughout the country. And I, I read it with fascination. Some places I'm very familiar with, like the Florida Panhandle and the California coastline, but there's others that were even new to me. And Charles, it is great to have you on our show. Oh, it's a pleasure. Nice to meet you, gentlemen. Let's get talking about coastal road trips. Uh, Gentlemen's a loose word with us, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Most certainly, Charles. And I want to start with one of your quotes. You said for over 30 years, you've you've created happy travelers through your articles, your books, your classes and talks. And you said that your travels have taken you to all 50 states in the United States, covering dozens of countries as well, as well as five continents. That's a whole lot. Tell us about this journey and how did you ever got started on this epic journey telling stories about exciting travels and adventures? Oh, I love it. Great great question. I, um, I went to college and I graduated from college at USC in Southern California and I bounced around with a couple of different jobs, but I fell on something that, um, that I was good at, and it was um, breaking software. I was a software hacker. <laughs> I was a software tester. Um, so I would work really hard, and I was in my early 20s, and I found that for a stress relief, I just wanted to travel. I just wanted to see new places. So you know, part of that, I went to school for so many years, and I wasn't able to be free and explore places on my own. Once that I, once I had money and some time, that's really, that was my passion for many years. Um, Mm -hmm. It so happened that I was formally testing software at a time when the internet was really starting to come into the mainstream. So that, that period in the early nineties, when, um, People could log on to AOL and hear the boop, 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 boop. Yes. And, um, <laughs> and subsequently, you could pay a dollar a minute to use an easy Saber interface to book your own travel. So I learned that was very powerful. It was a very powerful um, paradigm. Um, so people were paying me to plan trips for them. Um, with my mentality of, of breaking software, I would find all the boundary conditions, if you will, in airfare. So I would be able, like, for instance, I lived in Monterey. So there was a nonstop flight from Monterey to Los Angeles that was on a turboprop plane. But I found out that I could fly jets from Monterey to San Francisco down to Los Angeles for less price than the nonstop flight. Plus, I'm flying on jets, which were United branded planes versus like United Express. So I would get four times the number of points. Um, Plus, I would do this every Friday afternoon, and I had an 80% chance of getting bumped. And so they would just give me like $500 on the spot because people wanted to travel down there. So anyway, um, so I was exploring places, and I was also exploring ways to do things. Um, And and as any good teacher will tell you, you know, once you learn something, you want to teach other people. So that really became my passion is exploring learning things, and then teaching other people. Yeah. And so travel just, you know, was my passion. I've done this for other subjects, but for 30 years, I've been teaching people how to travel happier. And, and for me, it's not about, 
here are the 10 best things to see in Los Angeles, because not everybody's the same. You know, some people want to go there and gamble. Some people want to go there and eat. Some people want to go there and do hiking or what have you. So I don't feel like there's, I don't feel like preaching to people. You know, I, I recognize that everyone's different. And so I like to, I call myself the Home Depot of travel planning. You know, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I, I, will, I will provide you the tools. I'll provide you the information. You know, if you want me to help you with something, you know, we can go a little bit deeper. And I am an expert and I can help you do trip planning. So um, that's really what it's about for me is empowering people to be happier travelers. I'll tell you, there, there's so much to cover here. So I'm, I'm basically going to ask you to, to give us a brief 360 view of, of U.S. coastal scenes, starting from Maine in the Northeast, down to Florida, down the Gulf Coast, and then as we get across to the West Coast from Southern California, all the way up that coast. And I was telling Michael earlier, I've got a good feeling that most of our conversation is going to be based on the West Coast. But, but just, just give us a brief 360 view. Right. Of, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I've written lots of travel articles about lots of different things. I am, I consider myself a road trip expert. I love road tripping. I've crisscrossed the country dozens of times. But when I started looking at um, coastal resources, I found that there's no one that really covers the entire coast of the United States. So I just set out to, to provide, you know, a resource to, to be that person. I certainly haven't done all the trips, um, so I can't speak to every single one. Um, furthermore, I found that when I did find a coastal resource, it would be the same tried and true highways that everybody else talks about. But you know what? A lot of times you don't even see the ocean. So, you know, right. is it really a coastal drive? And so I set to further write about places that you can actually see water, you know, mm -hmm. where you're driving along the water. Um, an eventual goal is to video it or take pictures of every single drive and do it myself. So I can't claim to do them all myself, but I've written extensively about ones that I have. I, we haven't even got into your question yet. Um, <laughs> a, a quick That's synopsis. Yeah. I mean, it's all different. Um, I grew up in South Florida. I lived in Los Angeles and I lived in the Bay area for a long time. So we could talk about the, the West coast a lot. I mean, I love it. Um, <laughs> I used to drive Big Sur Highway every weekend. So, I mean, you know, that was Amazing. just God's gift to mankind right there. Man. Oh, my God. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can do that drive tomorrow, as long as it's yeah. not a damn rock slide or a mudslide on the road or something like that. Because, you know, I, as I was trying to explain to Dave, when you make that, at, assuming we're driving north towards Monterey, coming from the south on the right. uh, Pacific Coast Highway, when you make that turn from San Luis Abismo, start heading toward the ocean and then make round the bend to start heading north. Once you get on that road, there aren't very many places to get off that road. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah you, I mean, because you got the mountains, the what's the St. Lucia Mountains to your east and you got the ocean to your west. And and it's not like the Florida where everything's flat and you're kind of driving along the edge of the you know ocean. It's like, you know, 100 beat up off the ground sometimes in some of those places, but the drive, oh my God, <laughs> it might be the most scenic drive in the United States. Yeah. I've had the pleasure of staying in Irvine. And so that gave me 
you know, some of the nicest spots of PCH. No, it don't. <laughs> it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Okay. It does not. My son lives in Irvine. And, and trust me, it's nice to look at when you drive over to Newport Beach to see the ocean or That's drive, what I'm down, saying. drive down the Dana Point. But this road going up towards Big Sur and Monterey, where uh, Charles uh, lived for a while, there is nothing like that in the U.S. No, it is oh, wow. phenomenal. And and speaking of Irvine, you know, I know the area very well. So, you know, you're driving along Laguna Beach. It's a yes. magnificent area. Beautiful. Mm. But you can see the ocean for like a mile, right. you know, with different <laughs> okay. hotels and, and houses and shops blocking your view. That's why I say, you know, if it's a scenic coastal highway, but you're not, all you're seeing is commerce. Is it truly scenic? So right. that's what my article and my little guide is, is trying to do. And it's definitely a work in progress. And I'm going to work on it as much as I can. Wow. Tell, tell I, I, this is primarily for the audience, but give us, um, tell us a little bit about the, the big part of the uh, Coast Highway that we all talk about, the one I just referenced coming from like San Luis Obispo all the way up to Monterey. And then it goes away for a little while because uh, obviously you got to cross the Golden Gate Bridge. And then you got to pick back up parts of PCH uh, after you cross the bridge. So kind of tell the audience what they're missing when they don't get, get that view and that, that drive. It, it, it's one of the world's best scenic drives. I mean, absolutely. Um, I, I was watching a movie. I watched Basic Instinct the other day. And, um, you know, it's a classic movie and there's a lot of sex and, you know, mystery involved in that. But the scenery is yeah. just uh, inspiring and, and awe. And it, some of it was filmed around the Carmel Highlands, which is at the northern end of Big Sur. And some of it was filmed north of San Francisco and Stinson Beach area. Um, and you're right. So Big Sur is about 100 miles um, from San Luis Obispo to Carmel. But then you get past the Monterey Peninsula and you want to hug the coast and go up to Santa Cruz and then stay on the coast there, where a lot of people will cut inland, right. you know, and go through San Jose or Palo Alto or something. But Big Sur is phenomenal, but you get up to Pacifica, um, which is just south of San Francisco. Equally amazing views. Now, just not as much, and it's maybe a little bit more developed. But, but you know, California uh, and most of these drives that I talk about, they're just so different. You know, the Florida Keys is another just phenomenal drive, and it's just so different than Big Sur. So even if you're driving the California coast, you'll get You'll get agriculture at some points. You'll get these sheer cliffs of 200 feet at other points. You'll get amazing beaches at other points. And um, if you haven't driven across the Golden Gate Bridge, my friend, just, just do it. <laughs> um, I, I walked across the bridge a couple of years ago. Really? Yeah. And I thought, like, you know, I lived in the Bay Area for about 10 years. And um, I, I want to invent a term for, you know, you were saying, like, Who's, you don't want to go into New York. You don't want to go into downtown Vegas while you live there. But when you move away, it's like, oh, dang, I wish I went into downtown Vegas. <laughs> um, so so I, lived in, I lived near San Francisco for about 10 years and I moved away and I was like, you know, I never walked across the bridge. So when I went back to visit, I, I made a point of walking across the bridge. Yeah. So I, I want to invent some, whatever that that onomatopoeia or whatever the term is for, <laughs> for um, missing something and then going back and doing it. Um, yeah. You should try walking the uh, Chesapeake Bay. <laughs> Bridge oh, the, the 17 mile one? <laughs> yeah. 17 miles. <laughs> yeah. You spend half of it on the water, but that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, um, I, I have a more of a, a general question and this applies to 
cultures all across the United States, when you take the coastal routes, like Dave and I were talking yesterday, and we were specifically talking about like going from Maine to New York, you know, and, and, and as you heard in the pre-interview, I lived in Maine for four years, but not all of Maine is coastline. It's only that southern part that borders New Hampshire that's coastline and it's rugged and it's rocky. And you can't, you know, it's like you don't get on Interstate 95 and drive to New York in six hours from northern Maine. It's just, you know, when you get on the coastal communities, there's small roads, there's towns that you see, there's culture that you get, probably get out and take a bazillion pictures of. I, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but the culture of the United States can actually easily be captured in all these little communities that you stop along the coast all throughout the United States. What you see in Maine in terms of culture is completely different than California. Right. Oh, phenomenally true. Um, I, I have a I have a point of contention about every you know thing in the United States is represented along the coastline. I mean, you know, the farm belt in the middle of Oklahoma and stuff like that. I mean, there's beauty to see everywhere, but certainly the coastlines differ here and there. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like a, I agree, but like, I disagree. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, it's like a cultural <laughs> smorgasbord because everybody is like you said. You know, a lot of people in the United States who never leave a 50 mile radius of the front door of the house they were born in don't understand the diversity of this country. And one of the best places to do it is either to take a trip across the country or just follow the coast routes around. I mean, even May, I grew up in Florida, too. I spent several years in the Florida panhandle and I actually got a kick out of your article because you said uh, something about shh. The best beaches in Florida are actually in the Panhandle. Ah, exactly. I, I I know that firsthand because I lived there for ten years. <laughs> yeah, and I I'll, I've 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 told this to anybody who will listen to me. If you ever went to the Florida Panhandle and looked at those beaches, the white sand—it's crystal clear. The willows that support the infrastructure—you're not allowed to pick those, by the way. That's illegal in Florida. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. But the people are completely different. Um, mm. You know, uh, it's it's an extension of the of the traditional South. I think um, I, I think the Jimmy Buffett paradigm might be rolled into here. You know, when, yeah, you, you got know, a point there. <laughs> when you live along the coast, you know, I mean, let's let's compare that to Big Sur and Carmel. You know, that's definitely not a Jimmy Buffett vibe. No, but for, <laughs> for much of the South and throughout Florida and and going up the coast, maybe through the Carolinas, you know, you get a lot of salt life type stuff and people that are that they know you don't get a lot of job dissatisfaction and people um, not liking their life. Right. Um, so you, you live there because you choose to live there and you love it. And um, I appreciate people like that. Um, the Mississippi Gulf coast, you know, that's one of my, my latest discoveries from the last three or four years. I didn't know it was so damn cool. Um, you know, I, I drove on I-10 a few times between new Orleans and mobile. And then I was actually got a, a job, not a job, a travel writing assignment to work with Biloxi in the area down there. I just, I was astonished at how beautiful the Mississippi coast is. Yeah. And it's, and they call themselves the secret coast. Um, but one of the pictures in my article with the Mustang that's right next to the beach, it's one of the few spots in the country where you can park for free, step out of your car and you're in the sand. Yep. I mean, yeah, you put your hands up, you know, drop the mic. I mean, yeah. these are some of the most gorgeous beaches in the world, and they don't charge for parking, and it's right there. There are thousands of spots right along the coastal highway, and it's like, that's my secret gem right there. Yeah. You know, you can drive down the Keys, but there are no beaches. Right. You can drive that panhandle, and I just went to the Florida panhandle about a month ago. 
you need to be in a private community to go to some of those beaches. There's paid parking. You have to park, you know, a mile away and take a shuttle. So they're not as accessible. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I probably am waxing poetic about the panhandle because when I moved to Florida, it was 1970 when my dad was stationed at Tyndall Air Force Base, which is in Panama City, Florida. And um, I remember my house was literally 100 feet from the Gulf. Oh, lucky. Um, and but I remember this is pre-Interstate 10, by the way, for those of you who don't know, Interstate mm. 10 is not along the uh, beach in, in the Florida panhandle. It's about 50 miles inland. Uh, so you see no water. Uh, uh, until maybe you get to Mobile and then they got the tunnel under Mobile Bay. But Interstate 10 was not there when I lived there. Nice. So we would always, uh, when we had to make some move, we always took out the Highway 98 or Highway 38 that connected Panama City, Destin, and Pensacola. And you're right. We would just park on the side of the road and two feet later, we're standing in the Gulf of Mexico. It was the best thing I'd ever seen in my life. So, I mean, go back there. You know, I was there just a couple of months ago. and. I think it's all over the United States. Places are being developed. So, you know, the Mississippi Gulf Coast may be that pretty soon. You know, they they might start building more casinos and more houses on the beach. So get there now, you know, while you can park on the beach, because places where you can do that are disappearing. Um, I grew up in Miami. So when I would cross over to Naples, you know, it was a whole different ball of wax than it is now. Um, now there's $25 million homes lining the beaches and in Naples, and you just can't access the beach. I mean, you can't, you know, you can go in one by the pier, and then you can walk two miles to a nice beach. Wow. But you can't get there because of the homes and the businesses and so forth. Yeah, that that's one of the things that actually bothers me. Uh, because you know, that's what they've done in California. Some other places you don't have easy beach access any longer, because all the developers have gone in and they built their high price condos, you know, like going down to San Diego, you can't get near the beach anymore on the boardwalk. I lived in Redondo Beach for several years. And it's all developed now. And I remember when I got to the Florida Panhandle, we had a hurricane that came in the year after I got there. And all of a sudden, everybody says, ah, you can't build on the beach side of Highway 98 because of erosion and your hotel get washed out in the water. Well, guess what? There are hotels there now. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I know Dave wants to buy a hotel somewhere around there. <laughs> <laughs> Charles, you mentioned um, reading through, you know, you came down the States from Maine on the, on the East Coast. And uh, lo and behold, I saw New York, Ocean Parkway. Ocean Parkway is about 10 minutes from where I am right now. Oh, nice. And yes, I took that drive for the first time, I think, last year. I didn't even know it existed back there. Hmm. It is lonely. There is just water on both sides. Your loneliness is my nirvana. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You took a long you took a long time to respond. <laughs> I, I wanted to yeah, weigh my answer carefully. Um, yeah, there's a quote about loneliness. And um, you know, like I'm I'm an introvert. You know, I like talking to you guys and everything like that. Yeah. Um, I'll probably go put myself in a dark room for an hour after we're done talking. Um okay. but but no, like like the the person that like has the most friends and the person that's with the, a lot of people could be the loneliest person in the world. You know, loneliness is a state of mind, you know? Yeah. And I, it, so it's, it's a way of looking like being alone doesn't mean you're lonely. Yeah. Like I yes, love doing yeah. my solo road trips, but it doesn't mean I'm lonely. You know, I enjoy doing it. I love being right. with myself. Um, I could frankly be with a lot of people and feel more loneliness than I do with myself. 
Right. Sorry, right. sorry, that was a right. tangent. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> you pick four out of all the places, all the states. Not four, I'm sorry. You pick eight that you say that these are your best. Uh, Big Sur, Overseas Highway in Florida, and so on, Pacific Coast Highway. Why did you pick these eight? Yeah, you're right. Well, first of all, great eight is one of the things that I do. So, you know, instead of having a top 10 list, again, I think top 10 is preaching like, oh, if I don't do those 10 things when I go to New York City, then did I fail? You know, so mm-hmm. I, I I call my articles eight great. So it could be eight great places to eat, you know, in Maine or whatever it is. So that's mm-hmm. why I came up with the eight. Um Paradigm. I'm sorry, I've used that word more than once. I can't think of the right word. Um, so That's I used okay. eight there. I mean, I could have picked a hundred or whatever I wanted to do, but I picked eight. Um, and you're right. I mean, Big Sur is classic. Um, the Florida Keys Highway is another classic. The Chesapeake Bay and Bridge Tunnel is another one. And I just thought, like, let's give people, you know, a different flavor too. And so I think I put Cape Hatteras on there. Um, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Gorgeous, gorgeous road. Um, when you're down in the Outer Banks, the barrier islands of the North Carolina. Um, I think they call it Shipwreck Alley or something like yes. that. There's over 600 shipwrecks right off the islands there. Wow. And and you can literally drive down south to Ocracoke and see a ship sticking out of the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's phenomenal. Um, and divers, you know, they love it out there. But I mean, the, the sand is always blowing on the road. So, you know, you're driving through sand a lot of the times that when you're driving down there. Um, that's just one of the most beautiful places in the United States. And it's different. You know, these eight Mm -hmm. drives are all different. And that's what I thought. If if people did these eight drives, you're seeing a whole lot of Americana, if you will, um, at least the coastal version. Um, The um, South Padre, the the Padre um, Island Seashore um, doesn't go to South Padre. It's north of that. But it's you have to have a four wheel drive. You have to like hire someone to take you down there unless your car is very capable. But speaking of lonely, you may not see someone for a week. If you go out there, it's just <laughs> all beach road and you camp out there, but you will see more stars than you've ever seen in your life. Uh, you know. South, South Padre Island's awesome, by the way. Love oh, that it place. Is. Oh, oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. oh, I love South Padre also. Um, so what floats your boat? You know, you can, yeah. yeah. I know the conversations about the scenic views, but speak to the diversity in terms of culture and food of, of the eight that you chose. That's a good, that's a good one. Yeah. I don't think I point out the, uh, the culture and the food and stuff like that, but starting with, um, starting with the, the bottom right corner, if you're, fl- if you're on the um, Florida Keys highway, you know, you're 90 miles from Cuba, as they say, if you're down in Key West. So you can get some of the best Cuban food in the United States and, you know, other Latin influences along there. Um, and I'm not lying when I say this. You may even see refugees floating by on a boat. Um, <laughs> oh, I've um, seen them myself. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, I have too. I, I worked in um, Key Biscayne for a few summers and I saw a boat come in one time. Yep. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that you would see something like that. But that's mm-hmm. true Jimmy Buffett land down there. Yes. Um, um, when you're up there in the North Carolina, along the Cape Hatteras Seashore, you get more of a pirate vibe, you know? There are all those mm-hmm. shipwrecks out there, but there's an independent spirit where, you know, the Wright brothers flew the first airplane out there in Kitty Hawk. 
So on those dunes in North Carolina. Dunes. So I see that kind of sense with the people there. He went, you know, going down to the Florida Keys, people are often running away from something, you know. <laughs> so there's a lot of outlaws down there, but in North Carolina, I think it's more of an independent type spirit. Um, big sir, you gotta have money to live there. Yes, um, you do. A lot so, of it. <laughs> so you'll see reclusive billionaires, you'll, you know, movie stars, artists that have made it, and just a whole different type of spirit out there. Um, or someone that is, you know, one of the original settlers and the land has continued throughout the generations. Right. Um, Mississippi Gulf Coast, you know, I talked about that earlier a little bit. Um, Coastal Mississippi is sort of a hybrid of New Orleans and Key West to me. Um, Mm -hmm. It's part of the Mardi Gras belt, which, which for me goes from about Panama City, you know, over to Beaumont, Texas. Everywhere along there, people just love the Mardi Gras. So you get Southern hospitality mixed with this Mardi Gras vibe. And Coastal Mississippi is about the only place where you get the seafood culture in that Mardi Gras belt. So Mm -hmm. it's a unique place. Yeah. I think all these places are unique. Um, um, Those are of the eight. But I mean, you've looked at my article and you've seen that if you're driving the Florida Keys Highway and you continue north. You can even go on Ocean Drive in Miami Beach. And that's a phenomenal little stretch because they haven't developed the beach side yet, you know, for a couple of miles. So you get things like um, Scarface, the, the, the classic gangster movie that was filmed there. And then right. you get a lot of uh, The Birdcage with Robin Williams. You know, so those are two different things. And, and again, you can have that cultural mix in one area of the coast, too. So right. those are two different, like, really American type vibes that that are in the same block in Miami beach. Yeah. You know, I, something you had mentioned earlier in the podcast, you had discussed, um, or you made a brief mention of the fact that a lot of the people who live along the coast, especially down South in the Florida Gulf coast, maybe all the way up to North Carolina, take the rich people out who are buying up the property and building beachfront houses there and just deal with the locals. A lot of them are not wealthy. They're just so happy that they're stationed in life when they get to wake up in the morning and they see water. And they go fishing or they go hang out on the beach. And some of these people probably make $30,000 a year. And they're perfectly content because they get that every morning. I mean, people work their whole lives in New York City so that they could go see that two weeks out of their life, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... (laughs) They, they've just cut all the bull out of their lives and, you know, they're down there. Um, yeah. No, totally. And I don't know if we have time to tell a quick joke, but. Uh, oh, the jokes are definitely allowed. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of a classic joke of, um, and, and Bill Gates was the subject when I first heard it. So I'm sure now you can say Bezos or Musk or anyone else. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, Bill Gates goes on vacation down in Mexico. He finds this place that's way in the middle of nowhere and he hires a fisherman to take him out fishing. Bill Gates is having a great time. He's like, you know, his lines in the water and he's like, dude, this is really nice. He's like, um, but you know, have you thought of expanding? Like, you know, I can lend you the money to do another boat. And the guy's like, well, why would I want to do that? Well, then you can monopolize the market. You know, then you can have a whole empire. You can have many boats and you can catch all the fish you want. And he's like, why would I want to do that? And he's like, well, so that, you know, you can live the life that you want. The guy's like, I'm already doing that. <laughs> that's right that's right yeah. that's right yeah. so, i mean you know what what 
mine is the pursuit of happiness. Some people are the pursuit of money or, you know, time right. or whatever mm-hmm. it is, but, but you're right. Travel makes me happy. And if someone has, and I think more people live on the coast because they know they live, they want to live there versus probably anywhere else in the United States. Yeah. Well, um, well, yeah. Let, let's hope and pray based back to your Miami beach comment. You said that they're not building on the beach side. At the rate that global warming is causing those seas to rise, let's hope they don't build on that side of the beach. Because every time I go to Miami, if it rains, downtown Miami's flooded. No, absolutely. And, you know, that's another reason to go visit these coastal drives now. Yep. Who knows because, what's going to happen in five more years? No, I totally agree with you. And, and, and that's that's scary, seeing some of that stuff. Those areas that, uh, I mean, I've seen these uh, um, U.S. Uh, survey maps that say this is what will happen you know, if the sea rises another two inches in the next 20 years. Let me tell you something right now. If that happens in Miami, you can kiss part of South Florida goodbye. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be covered. I know. It's a shame. Yeah, it really Definitely. is. So so what do you think of the state of, I mean, Dave and I are both in our 60s. Well, sorry, Dave, I didn't mean to tell your story. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Dave and I are both in our 60s. But we grew up in car culture. You know, my dad would get in the car and just drive someplace on the weekend just to go. When we lived in New Hampshire, it was not uncommon for us to either drive down to the beach and sit on there on the rocks and the ocean uh, waves, you know, flow under the rocks underneath of our feet. We would just sit on top of them for hours or we would drive up to Maine and, and go from Kittery up to Portland or something. But we stayed along the beach and yeah. stuff like that um, it is. Do you kind of seek? that kind of still going on in America today with this car culture, especially along scenic highways, or is it kind of, you know, something that's kind of starting to fade into the background a little bit as we are making a strong push towards other forms of transportation? You know, I think it's definitely a niche. I think there's so many choices now. Um, I mean, I definitely know people that are into that sort of vibe. And I think it's not a, a pervasive type thing. Like even people that would go off and do a random serendipitous road trip would probably also choose to fly somewhere or take the train somewhere. So I I think there's just more choices now. Um, And I think it's the Instagram mentality, you know, like I need an immediate feel good endorphin or something like that. So I think the the setting out to explore things is rarer. I think certainly people like doing that. I was just thinking, I did a podcast two weeks ago with a friend of mine who 10 years ago walked Route 66. So oh, talking about Route... Wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, anybody could drive it, but he he walked it. So he wow. took six months to walk the 2,300 miles or whatever it is. And, and so when people take my classes or seminars or just email me and say like, there's no place in the world that's not already covered, or I don't know what I want to do, how I want to travel. It's like, there's so many new things you can do. Um, you know, if you just think about it a little bit, um, I still love just taking off in the car. Um, so it's hard for me to disagree with what you're saying, but you know, to each their own. And some people don't want to go live at the beach making $30,000 a year. They'd rather make 80,000 and live in New York city. And that's fine. You know, maybe they'll come to that realization one day. Maybe they won't. Um, but for those of us that love car trips. Yeah, beautiful. The United States is the best place to do it, right? Yes, it is. This episode of TripCast 360 is sponsored by David's Cruise Vacation, a travel agency that specializes in both land and sea adventures for the intrepid traveler. Book now at davidscruisevacations.com and experience that hands-on personal service. 
I'm going to ask a question that's probably difficult to answer. No questions, a, no questions, a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyhow. If if someone wanted to to take a trip around the United States coastal scenic highways without having to rush through it in terms of driving from Maine to Florida in whatever time frame it takes, you know, you want to enjoy the scenic view. Maybe you want to stop, you know, uh, embrace the culture. How long would it, how long approximately would that trip take? You know, I'm just going to do a ballpark estimate of 7,500 miles around, yeah. you know, from Maine to Seattle. Um, I would not do more than 100 miles a day. So I'm going to say at least 75 days. So ballpark, wow. I, would say, I would say three months. I would allow three months. Wow. And that's hey, Michael, just, that's for you, man. That's not for any young person. This is for the seniors. You got to take out your RV. <laughs> And just get on the road, Michael. No, my, I, I would. My I hair's would take, not blue yet. <laughs> I would take the convertible. I wouldn't take the RV. <laughs> oh, see, that's true. Now you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Now you're talking, unless it's, unless it's winter time along Lake Michigan. I, I mean, it's a it's a coastal drive. You know, you got to have a you got to have a convertible. Um, that's true. Speaking of Lake Michigan, that's one way that I would evolve this project because my coastal road trip right now. My my resource guide only includes the ocean, you know, and the Gulf. I don't, there's so many more lakes and rivers and what have you that you can drive along. And I just decided not to tackle that at this point. Yeah. I mean, considering the variance in all the temperatures and climate and s- snow and everything else, what would be a good time of the year to start the trip? This day starting in uh, Maine and like you said, Ended up in um, Seattle. I mean, if you were to do that continuously, that's going to be hard. Um, Or, you know, just start in the summer and do it. I mean, I'd probably prefer to start in Key West, you know, like mid-January. And then then either work your way up to Maine, you know, if you're taking your time. Or, you know, cut a left to Jacksonville and head over to Los Angeles, you know, and go up that way. Yeah. Um, So you can definitely do it in... If you're going to do it, you know, Appalachian Trail style and do it continuously, mm-hmm. um, I'd probably start in Seattle. And the main reason is you'd be along the coast the entire time. You know, if you went the opposite direction, you'd be a lane away from the coast. Right. So I kind of like prefer driving, you know, along the water. Um, so I would start in Seattle and then you have more weather you know, opportunities there, but I think I would probably think backwards and I'd probably want to end up in Maine in mid-September because, you right. know, you got your lobster season, the blueberries are out. So it's like <laughs> there a goes great the food. time to be in Maine. <laughs> yep. There goes the food. There goes the food conversation. <laughs> uh, or, or you could, or you could t- continue north up where I used to live and help us pick potatoes. Hey. But if you if you earn a few dollars for gas, I guess that's what you would do. <laughs> when we when we were kids, we used to uh you know the before the snow set in for the winter, we would help the local farmers. All of us military kids would go help the local farmers pick their crop before the uh the potatoes got spoiled because Rooster County is known for potatoes. <laughs> wow. Okay. So yeah, that was fun. If your interest is the adult beverage, I would assume the Gulf Coast would probably be the place. It's it's a place. I mean, you know, I, I don't think you can go anywhere outside of um, parts of Utah and and not find adult beverages, right? So oh. yeah, but but 
I had a friend, um, a friend that lives in Florida, mind you, he lives 20 miles from the beach and he emailed me yesterday or he messaged me yesterday and said, I want to go over to the Gulf coast for sunset and margaritas. Where do I go? So I love it when locals are asking me, you know, wow. um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I think, you know, from Key West to Panama city B, you know, not maybe to mobile, you know, that's Margarita, Margarita alley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then after that, you can get into, yeah, I don't know. I mean, New Orleans, obviously, is a whole other ball of wax. So around that Louisiana, I guess you can call that the Hurricane Alley, but for drinks. No, not. <laughs> <laughs> Double pun there. But uh, yeah, you get out to California and you got a whole different um, San Diego is going to be craft beer alley, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and oh, Seattle yeah. also. Um, yeah. 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 I mean. That that'd be a good guide. I might have to do the beverages along the uh, U.S. coast. I like do that. that. We just gave you an idea for your next uh, journey. Absolutely. And leave it to Dave to find out where to get the alcohol. Um, I'll right. have to. I'll have to have an expert to help me out. Of course. Uh, I, I think Dave's going to volunteer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> just don't let it. Just don't let him drive. Yeah. Well, you, dr- I mean, you drive. You're going to have to have a designated driver. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's not going to be right. me. <laughs> is there is there uh, one of these scenic trips that you haven't taken that you want to take? Yeah, I haven't done all of these. Um, and one that comes to mind is just north of Cape Canaveral in Florida. And so when I was researching it, I can't remember the name of the state park that's there, but I think it was I think it was seven miles long um, ah, from the gate to the tip of the um, the state park there. And I thought like. Mm. I know the name of that I've park, been, and I can't I, think of the I've, name of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been all over Florida, but I haven't yeah. been to that state park. And and I do know that's a nice area. And Cocoa Beach is one of the few places you can go surfing in Florida. So they get some nice waves. Um, the East Coast beaches are not as nice as the West Coast beaches in Florida. So I'm not expecting it for beaches. But you know, I bet there's some cool birds out there. Um, just things that you wouldn't normally see in other parts of Florida. Um, I love Florida for that reason. I mean, most people, even internationally, are like, you know, Florida is a cruise port to catch a cruise and Disney. And I'm like, oh my God, there's so much, so more, much more Florida that you don't know about. And you can say that about anything. You can say that about Maine, about California, about Texas, that people have this myopic vision of what it is. And the best way to break that stereotype is to get in a car and drive somewhere. Yeah. Get off, get off that interstate and take some of those back roads, take the coastal roads. You know, that that's where you like find your own serendipitous stuff or, you know, follow my guide or follow any, you know, travel bloggers articles. You know, there's some amazing stuff to discover in our country. You just described one of the reasons why nobody wants to travel with me when it comes to car travel. Because I will stop every 50 miles. I will. It's just ingrained in me from my days as a military brat. My dad would always stop and check out a place because we never knew if we were going to get back there again. Right. So, yeah. And Dave was saying, you know, how long to allow to go along the entire coast. I just estimated a hundred miles a day. Who who the heck knows, you know, Um, you might want to do that in sections, three week sections, because 21 after 21 days, you might burn out, you know, it totally depends on the person. Someone might want to do it as quickly as possible. Um, Back in the day I had, five days to myself from Amsterdam. You know, it was on a business trip. And so I had five free days from Amsterdam. I just decided to see how far I could drive. And so I made it into Italy and then I drove back. 
Wow, you did good. (laughs) I did. I did. So for two and a half days, I just drove straight. And, you know, what the German Audubon helps, you know. Oh, yeah, it does. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, I wouldn't do that now unless I was, you know, going to Burning Man out in Vegas or something like that. Like, just travel without, you know, stopping to see things. I'm much more of an explorer now than just driving long distances and long amounts of time. I mean, that's my preference. Um, so everyone's different. Well, not everyone. I did a Google search on U.S. coastal highways. Okay. And PCH and Big Sur are the places that keep popping up in my Google search. Okay. What makes PCH so popular? Is it the diversity in terms of what it offers? It is sort of unique in the United States that you're up there on that cliff for a hundred miles. And yeah, you're again, I would I would drive that one from north to south because you're along the water. Um, right. You know, not everybody would prefer to do it that way, obviously. If you're a little bit um full of vertigo or something like that, you might want to do it in the other direction. But yeah, there there's hundreds of pullouts and there's some of the best sunset views in the in the world there because you're up there on the cliff. If you go to Nepenthe or Rocky Point Restaurant, those are just two places that you can stop along Big Sur. It's phenomenal. And the history with like Steinbeck as the author writing about it and movies that have been filmed there. Um, the bad man, Clint Eastwood, you know, he's prominent in the northern part of Big Sur. And um, his production company is named Malpazo, which means mm. um, bad pass. Bad pass. And, and that's named after a creek that empties into Carmel Highlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's some of the richest real estate in the world. Um, yet, if you venture two miles inland from the coast highway, um, there's a dirt road back there and there's um, cattle ranch land and things like that back there. And so if you have done Big Sur many, many times, get off the paved part and take the dirt road. It's um, mm-hmm. you, you can catch it in the north just past Bixby Bridge. And it it comes out in the south, I think, just north of Mechway Falls, which is the popular waterfall that waterfall. everyone stops at. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's hidden beaches um, that have been featured in like Madonna music videos and things like that. It's just it, the scenery, I think, is what Big Sur is all about. Um, you're not going to find Starbucks or anything like that along there. So it's purely about the natural beauty, and it is oh. is extraordinary. There's this little town called Fernberg, uh, about halfway between the southern end of that section of uh, the Coast Highway and, and uh, Monterey. And I was driving south one day. It was foggy as all get out. I couldn't see 15 feet in front of me. All of a sudden, this, the, the sky just cleared when we got to Fernberg. So we pulled over. I had some of the best barbecue I've ever had. Mm. This little okay. tiny place on a cliff overlooking the ocean. And the, the proprietor came, you want to eat inside or out? I said, no, I'm not wasting this. He said, it's kind of chilly outside. This was April. I said, I don't care. Well, me and my girlfriend, we sat outside with our <laughs> winter coats on and just enjoyed this barbecue. And it, the scenery is just like so epic. And I think going back to your other point, Charles, I think one of the things about that drive, in addition to his beauty, is the reason it gets a lot of attention is because of the movie industry. How many movies, I mean, there's a show, on, I don't know if it's on Showtime or HBO or Apple TV or something that has Reese Witherspoon and, uh, and Nicole oh, Kidman. Big Little and, Lies. Yeah, Big Little Lies. That's all filmed yeah. there. 
that's right. Yeah, and my girlfriend sits down religiously and watches that show when it's on, and we she actually binge watched uh, season two and yeah. three. Yeah, she's just it's it, it's so iconic. Uh, it's like the old Route 66 to people who were, you know, mm. born in the 50s and 60s. You know, this piece of California real estate is probably, you know, <laughs> endemic to our generation of people because it's just in every single film I could think of, even if it's just a helicopter flyover. Yeah, right. I, I love it. And I I used to live in Monterey. Um, and, and when I wasn't driving Big Sur, I would be riding my bike on 17 mile drive, which is just, just a phenomenal oh, area. Gosh, that's beautiful. The richest real estate in the world and everything. But when I would um, ride my bike into Carmel and get on highway one and start heading into big Sur, there's a sign there. It's one of my favorite signs in the world. And it has that squiggle line, meaning you got a curvy road coming up and it says next 78 miles. Really? (laughs) That's my kind of road, you know? You can't use cruise control and you got to like keep your eye on the road. You know, of course, you can look at the scenery and everything. But basically, if you can't put on your cruise control, that's my kind of highway. So most of those other roads that I talk about in, you know, my coastal scenic drive and other road trips, you know, you can for a portion of it. But Big Sur is so windy and it hugs the, the natural terrain ups and downs you don't you just don't have a moment to relax but it's also like a sensory overload like you'll come around a mountain it's like oh that view is better than the other 87 views that yeah i already took pictures of and um just one more thing that they down south you were talking about fernberg you know that sounds like it's very close to san simeon it is and um and that's where one of the most lavish castles in the world was built by Randolph Hearst, who had an empire of um, San Francisco Chronicle and Examiner newspapers and, and radio stations and stuff like that. So he was the Elon Musk of the day. And he built something in South Big Sur that, again, attracted Hollywood moguls and the most famous people in the world. And they would come there for, you know, those, um, those, um, I'm trying to think of the name of the book or the movie with, um, Leo DiCaprio and Long oh. Long Island, uh, the Great Gatsby. Uh, the Great Gatsby, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like Great Gatsby type parties where you know there'd be a lot of scandals and babies born out of wedlock. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, that, you, but today you can go tour this one hundred million dollar house. That's yeah. just like something you can never imagine anyone ever living in. Yeah, it's called the it's it's the Hearst Castle for those of you who are listening and don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, I, I've been there once, and uh, yeah, I can. And the views, by the way, from up on top of that hill, ooh. <laughs> um, getting, up there, getting up there's a little bit of a <laughs> hike if you're squeamish about heights. <laughs> yeah, but that, uh, that reminded me, because like you said, the fog will lift and it'll just look like, you know, cashmere yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it really it's, does. It's like the sun, the golden sun would come shining through the, the cloud and the fogs and it's just magical. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Hey, um, we've talked about the lower 48. We haven't had a chance to touch on Alaska and Hawaii yet. And I'm actually going to Hawaii uh, in December. Um, is that one of your last four? Uh, actually, actually, Hawaii is one of my last four. I've never been. Good. Awesome. My, my Good. son's been. I haven't. Good. Um, but my girlfriend's son is in the Navy, and he is uh, uh, going to take some leave, and he wants to go to the Big Island. Um, my girlfriend would prefer to go to Maui because of all the high-end stuff, but we'll settle for the Big Island because he just wants to get away from all the noise for a while. And the Big okay. Island is the one that probably um, – satisfies his palate. But I, I say all that to you say, have you had a chance to drive through parts of Hawaii or Alaska? Absolutely. I've driven on four islands and oh, the nice. big island, big island is probably the best for um, scenic 
road trips along the coast. Okay. Um, the big island is bigger, you know, than the other islands, and I think it might be even bigger than all of them put together. I'm not sure about that. I, I think fact you're check, right. Fact check. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's something like seven of the eight biodiversities on Earth are on the big island. Wow. Because you go to the tippy top of the mountain and there's snow sometimes. Yeah. Um, so they actually have a, a Hawaii ski club that can come out, you know, once a year <laughs> and, and ski on the mountain up there. Um, but then you go down there in the, the volcanic and they have lush um, rainforests and that sort of thing. So just driving around the big island, you know, you get all these different variety of natural environments. It's very fascinating. Um my favorite is probably the stark black lava roads that are like just, just north of Kona. And you've probably seen it like in the Ironman triathlon. If you've ever seen that video, the guy's running and biking on this black stark environment, like there's nothing growing there. So all you see is black everywhere, the road and the black lava next to you. And then every once in a while, you just see white rocks. So I don't know where these white rocks come from. But I What's call that? that Hawaiian graffiti. People will like <laughs> write things with the white, and it's not damaging anything. So you just take these white bleached rocks and you say, like, you know, I love Kathy, or you know, go gym, you know, run hard. It, it, it's it's a very unique place that I've never seen anywhere else in the world. Wow. Okay. Now you give me something to look forward to. And yes, that was one of my four. The other two are both Dakotas and Montana. You can knock them off another trip. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they're all, they're all kind of co-located in the same part of the country, so I can do those quickly. Um, unless you want to do, unless you want to do the Hawaii flight with a stopover in you know Rapid City on the way back. I'll, I'll pass. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you know what's so funny? They said you lived in Southern California for twenty seven years and you never went to Hawaii, but you've been to Cabo San Lucas three times. Well, which is true. But places. yeah, but people don't understand. It's like I was telling Dave. I said. It's a two-hour flight from L.A. to Cabo San Lucas. It's a five-and-a-half-hour flight from right. L.A. to Hawaii. <laughs> That's right. It's a haul. It's a long way. It's, it's like, you know, putting the continental United States off the Southern California coast and flying. I mean, it's that far away. And, and then I, some. I think, I think someone told me Los Angeles to Hawaii is, is um, further than New York to London. I, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is I true. Mean, distance or flight time or something mm -hmm. i just thought okay that that puts it in perspective it, it is quite a flight right but you're giving me something to look forward to uh talk to me about alaska i've been to alaska twice once was on a cruise so i didn't do much but the other one was a four-day road trip where i was just able to drive around right. um alaska is three times the size of texas and, and people think texas yep. is huge so texas is just a wee state compared to alaska <laughs> There, there. I've I've seen one percent of Alaska, so I can't claim to be any kind of Alaska road trip expert. Um, but I talked in my article about the places that I have driven there, and they're just stellar. Um, um, the best advice someone gave me is um, get out of Anchorage as soon as you can, because then you can see Alaska. But you know that, that's true with a lot of cities. You know, like you know, get out of Dallas and see the real Texas, or you know, whatever. Um, but that's what I did. So I had a car from Anchorage and I drove south one day. I drove east one day. I drove north one day. Um, but going south, you're along the coast. Right. And there's a, an extraordinary area called the Turnagain Arm. And it's because I think the mariners, the, the old time sea guys, went in there with their boats and they had to turn around because they thought it was a passageway through and they couldn't find one. 
So um, the drive along there is extraordinary. Um, I, I was there in October and it was like fall was already over and winter was starting. You know, it was because it's such a northern climb. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, I remember culture and culture and seafood, like the seafood, the best, I think the best single thing I've ever eaten in my life was there, was on Turnigan Arm. Really? It was, it was a halibut stuffed with king crab. Now, I love halibut, and that's the freshest halibut I've ever had in my life. And obviously, the king crab is right from the waters. I think for like, that wasn't my best meal, but like it was the single best like entree I think I've ever had in my life. Like Alaska seafood is extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, it was. I, I I ate a lot of. I I was there for a week one time, and I ate so much seafood, and it it was like I look forward to the meal every day, which is rare for me. It's like okay, I've, I've eaten it, but I don't want it again. But in Alaska, it's completely different. And I remember I had a guide when I was in Alaska, and he actually uh, lived in the in uh, Seattle. He would drive up every year at the start of tourist season. And uh, he would make that trek back and forth. I think he would leave like Seattle, like in April. And by September, he was already headed back home because of the Alaskan winters. And I I, I actually have a horror story about Alaska (laughs) that kind of uh, we went on the very last cruise of the summer season. This is five years ago now. And when you go up on a cruise out of Seattle, you're on the inner passage waterway. So there's usually always a piece of land to your west. On the return trip, you're in the open Pacific. Ah. About two o'clock in the morning, a storm hit. Wow. That boat was tossing around like a bathtub toy. You could, I can hear people out in the hallway getting sick. I can, my girlfriend, I said, let's, let's at least go where we have a window because she doesn't like windows on cruise ships. And I said, you'll be better if you at least can see out, you know. Sure. And she said she wasn't having it. So everybody was sitting in the hallways. I heard the dishes crashing in the kitchen. The uh, captain, the, it was two o'clock in the morning. The captain didn't come on and say a word about it. I guess he was so busy trying to get that cruise ship <laughs> back to where we needed to go. And by uh, about and by sunup, it was all over. But I don't know what we hit, but it was bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's all open ocean. So, yeah, you, yeah. you get hit hard. For sure. <laughs> Well, uh, trust me, I will not be taking another cruise to Alaska, and especially the last one of the year. I hear you. I hear you. Well, man, I got to tell you, this has been very enlightening to me. I've always wanted to do this coastal trip. Dave and I have been talking about this for a week. Um, you know, Dave gets a different kind of coast because he's from Barbados. He gets that Caribbean coast. Oh. He, he he can walk out his front mansion in the Caribbean <laughs> and be in the water in, in 10 seconds. But when you drive along these coastal communities and you get a chance to stop and talk to the people, and, and that that's the other thing too, by the way, every place that I stopped, most of the people were willing to share their culture with you in the United States on, along these beach communities, even with me having out of plate license plate tag, where are you from? Oh, I'm from California. Mm-hmm. Oh, you you should move out. I'm not here. You know, I, I got that from the Southerners. And then when I had my Florida tags on and I'm up in Maine, oh, you're a long way from home, uh, you know, but they always wanted to share their experiences with us. Like they were so proud of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I see that, too. I think because most of the seaside communities are smaller, you know, it's right. not the big city and the people there don't need to put on airs, if you will. It's like they're not trying to impress anybody, and they're there because they love it and they want to show it off. Yeah, I, 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 can, I, can, I can get behind the uh, um, just living along a beach community that's affordable and not worry about the the dollars. Yeah, yeah. So, those, anyway, those, afford, those affordable ones are uh, yeah. They're, I mean, they're, dis, they're disappearing though. <laughs> those affordable Absolutely. ones are not in California. 
Oh, hell no. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're, they are certainly not. California's coastline is being bought up if it hasn't been bought up already. And Dave's heard me say that. I bought a house in a townhome in Redondo Beach, one block from the water. My, my morning jog was on the beach. I bought it in 1994 for $289,000. That house just sold about three weeks ago for $1.6 million. Wow. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was great. It was a three-story, 2,500 square foot, three-bedroom townhome. And knowing what I know now, I should have kept it, but I lost it in a divorce. So there you go. Um, so anyway, uh, Charles, this has been great. I'm glad we got a chance to take this walk down uh, memory lane for me. Uh, Dave got a chance to um, test uh, his waters. I think he's going to hit the Big Sur next. Yes. But, but, but Dave, drive north, please. Don't drive south. You're not a person who likes hanging on cliffs. <laughs> I've already done my research, all right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you can't take Amtrak for that part of it because it's not near the water when you go through that. <laughs> it's on the other side of the St. Lucia Mountain. So you can't take Amtrak, so you have to drive yeah. it. So anyway, my friend, Charles, thank you so much uh, for doing this uh, with us. We really appreciate your time and, and glad you carved out an hour for us. So um, any big adventures for you coming up soon? Actually, the part, well, I just finished a big three-week road trip and visiting family and that's so forth. Um, I'm, I'm taking a break for about two weeks, catching up on some things. And then my wife and I are taking off for 40 days. We're going, um, we're going to spend Thanksgiving out in Oregon, uh, spending a week at Cannon Beach. So we're going to get some more coastal research done there and maybe going to do Big Sur on the way home. Ooh. Stay, stay tuned. Yeah, I mean, the cool travel right now is just information. Um, I've done everything okay. in the travel industry. And as I said before, I just want people to be happier travelers. You know, whatever you want to do, I can somehow help you out with that. Right now, it's really my articles. Um, I love social media. So you'll find me at um, Charles McCool and McCool Travel on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, what have you. At McCool Travel, I just put out articles. Um, some of them are how-to, like how to rent a car, how you know, some rental car secrets, or you know, why Airbnbs are better than hotels, but also why hotels are better than Airbnb. Because I'm not, <laughs> you know, I've done both of them. Um, but I was a travel agent for a while. So, you know, I know how to book travel. I've taught classes, I've consulted with businesses, with people. I just Again, I'm the Home Depot of travel planning. Um, you know, I'll, I'll provide you with the tools. I'll provide you with the knowledge. And, you know, if you really want to, I can help you book trips. Um, um, I do that every once in a while for special people. And I'll charge you an hourly fee to, to help you out with some things. Um, nice, yeah, you nice, can, nice. You can reach me through the contact form on my website or one of those social media channels. Nice. On that note, oh, and by the way, uh, when you go to McCool Travel, it, the website, it's more than just U.S. travel, folks. There's a ton of information about some of the places. Remember, he's been on five continents, so this isn't just a U.S.-based uh, travel site. And I, I've read several of your articles, and I strongly encourage readers, if you are planning a trip, yeah. uh, start there. Get, get, mm -hmm. get the information from somebody who's actually lived it instead of somebody mm -hmm. who's just kind of talking about it in generalities, because the depth on some of your stories is fantastic. And um, I, I really appreciate the, that you're offering that services out there to people. So, again, Charles, thank you so much for doing this. And um, you're going to have to come back on and tell us about some of your other adventures at some point. You know that, oh, right? 
Absolutely. We just talk road trips. There's so much more to talk about. And thank you for the nice words. I appreciate that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, that's it for this edition of the TripCast 360 podcast. On behalf of my dear friend, David Cumberbatch, this is Michael Gordon-Bennett saying so long, and we'll see you next Monday on another edition of TripCast 360.